Greetings, constant listeners. It's Michael, Monroeville Mall, Rothman. What you're about to hear is a clip from our exclusive Patreon Sweet Treat episode, in which the losers are joined by special guests Jason Pellegrini, Rachel Reeves, and Paul Suntup to discuss the iconic artwork that covers Stephen King's catalog. What's more, we read some of your favorites. So, how do you hear the full thing? Climb aboard the SS Georgie or become a librarian over at our Patreon, The Barons. You can find a link in the description of this episode, or you can visit www.patreon.com slash the barons. Hope to see you there over long days and pleasant nights. I mean, the legacy of King really goes back to the book art, you know? I mean, especially for those who grew up in the 70s and 80s. I was born in 84, so I, I saw a lot of King through, you know, movie posters and whatnot. But, you know, before the internet, before the late night interviews and and even before his movies started dominating cinemas, especially like they do today, um, or at least before the pandemic, um, you know, the covers and especially all those author photos, they really were all you had to work on, you know, when it came to the lore of King. And that's why, I, you know, I'm so excited to talk about you know, and look back at all this artwork and especially all the creative people that were responsible for carving that legacy. Um, I mean, you mentioned a few, Paul, but, uh, they, you know, like it really does kind of start with Dave Christensen's like Salem's Lot and then, um, mm-hmm. you know, and all the paperbacks that Don, God, I'm going to butcher this Don name. Brodigan? Yeah, Brodigan. Like, yeah. they, they really did like kick down the door for so much to come. I mean, you got like, as you mentioned, like Stephen Stroud's, the the Bernie Wrightsons with like the collaborations with King and, um, you know, Michael Whelan and, and Tony Morrow, who, you know, created the Dark Tower universe before um, uh, the Nicholas Arshel uh, did in 2017. Um, and, and then, you know, all of which seems to really culminate with, you know, Rob Wood's run in the 90s that, God, I, mm. I, I kind of argue would kind of set a precedent for King's uh, look that I, I don't think has really been surpassed since, but, um, and I, and I don't know, maybe it's because I grew up in that borders B Dalton, uh, Walden books era, but man, when I think of King, I, I really do go to, to Wood's work and, and it really, you know, like the covers for Neville things. I remember it sitting on the shelf and that being a new book. And, um, you know, from there, like Gerald's game and Dolores Claiborne and that typeface font and that, that one photo of King, where he's like got the the razor cut hair and he's like looking off to the right for, and it just that that informs so much of like what Stephen King was for me and you know that's what comes to mind when I hear the word Stephen King so I, I wanted to know you know Jen when I say Stephen King like what cover flashes for you you know um I think the it cover mm-hmm. I think um and like because I grew up seeing these books on my dad's bookshelf and that was that's the one that really sticks out and I would look at it and I think for a long time I thought there was going to be a dinosaur in it because mm-hmm. it has kind of those claws sticking out of the uh, the subway grate the sewer grates not the subway grates um and it just was so fascinating to me and I don't I tend to um I like paperbacks better just because I kind of like the feel of holding them better so a lot of like the art that I see I've like grown up looking at the paperback versions of these so it's really fascinating for me to see how those kind of change with the hardcover like what we know of as it and then the version that's on the paperback edition too, oh i know mine's a little different and i loved like how that book is so thick and i was just always fascinated 
that you could write the title of the book um, crosswise and you didn't have to write it longwise. And I was like, ooh, I got to read all those pages one day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it's funny that you mentioned the dinosaur thing because I remember, I, I genuinely remember uh, looking at the book as a kid and being and having no idea that it, there was a clown involved. And it really wasn't right. until like later on when they started doing, I mean, I, I guess the UK print has the, co- the the clown cover on it, but like it really wasn't until later on, especially with like the Tim Curry stuff that when it really hit mainstream with that like that i thought i I associated like it with the clown you know it Mm -hmm. really was that claw um but rachel Mm -hmm. what was the first stephen king cover you remember seeing so it's it's kind of funny that the first stephen king books i remember seeing were more of the fantasy stuff Mm. my my Mm. mom is a librarian which is oh awesome (laughs) and she she was really into like and McCaffrey in the 80s <laughs> and a lot of you know the sci-fi fantasy romance books and I so I think I I think Talisman was the first one that mm. I remember reading and I think she she let me get away with that because it was like oh this is a fantasy book and then <laughs> through that I found the Dark Tower series and so I kind of came around the other way versus like more of the horror stuff but i remember like especially the dark tower covers like at the library of course um seeing those and just being like just really drawn in by them Mm -hmm. were you surprised then to to know that he was like a horror author at that yeah and like it was kind of perfect because as i was getting more interested in that stuff in my teenage years and like discovering just kind of the wealth of stuff um and especially, so I, I was in high school in like the late 90s, uh, early 2000s. And so the stuff that was coming out around that time too was just feeding, you know, feeding all of that and then discovering more and more. It was, yeah, it was great. It, it went, I, it evolved along with me, which was nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, Jason, you're a longtime collector, uh, you know, as we discussed in the previous Losers Club episode. And for you, what run would you say you think about the most when like you when someone mentions like all right hey Stephen King first editions? Uh jeez. I mean it I mean I, I but we already talked about that, so I I'm gonna go with I would say the shining. I mean you can't really I would say that's probably his most iconic. Um but it's that as far as like a run goes, it's that I guess the eighties cause it's that bl- most of the black spine with the red title and the white, I don't know what the font's called, but like not even so much the, the, the covers it's just how the spines for some reason that's mm-hmm. uh, from that era. But even, even, even the covers themselves, they kind of, um, I don't know who the, the artist was during that era. There's like a multitude of different ones that, that, that came around. I mean, there were some one-offs here. There were, um, especially just the later era, um you i mean you got like there's just so many um that are on there but like like bob eusty who did it and misery uh i mean linda fenimore who did like pet cemetery and that was like i think even a one-off maybe like it's just it's the the spine is interesting though i didn't think about that when actually considering this episode because what do we see most of the spine i mean they're sitting on our bookshelf Mm -hmm. and i'm looking i'm sorry i'm looking right at my bookshelf right now i mean it uh Gerald's Game, Misery, Dolores Claiborne, Christine, Tommyknockers, Cujo, and The Dead Zone, they vary here and there, but they're pretty much following the, the same exact mm-hmm. form. 
and even if you you flip the uh, the uh, book covers, they even though the the uh, artwork is different, it's still the same. It's I guess you could say in the same format. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I and I wonder if that had more to do with his influence on the legacy than actual movies and adaptations and lore itself. Like, I, I wonder if like, because there was such a cohesiveness to that style, even if there were various artists going in and out, like if that was something that really contributed to like Stephen King becoming such a, a world renowned um, presence of like the master of horror. I mean, cause like you look back at like some of his, you know, some of his works of the last 20 years, like they all feel different. You know, like they they all have mm-hmm. different t- uh, typeface now. Um, I mean, you go from like Duma Key to eleven twenty two sixty three. They look like very like two different authors. Like they and they're and they're only record they're only like released within like what like four years apart. Like, so it is kind of interesting to think of that that era of the eighties being like like when you think of King. I mean, I, I think it's fair. Um, but Paul, I mean, look, you work with these artists. Um, for you, wh- whose work really comes to mind? Like when you when someone says Stephen King to you, um, y- you know, just in the past. You know, it's like with anything. You, when you hear a song, it brings back memories, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of a time when you listen to that song. Um, it's the same when you say, "Hey, Paul, um, you know, what do you, what covers do you think of when you hear Stephen King?" Well, for me, you know, it has to be um, when I first discovered him. You know, I was nineteen, and oh, how was... fitting! Right. <laughs> <laughs> And um, I was in, you know, I'm from South Africa, so I was still in South Africa at this time. And my experience of the King covers was very different because mm-hmm. in that country, we would get the U- the UK covers, the UK books mm. in, in that market, right? So the very first book that I um, discovered was The Eyes of the Dragon, and it was the UK cover. So I cannot, it's impossible for me to not associate, you know, that book and that cover with King. Mm-hmm. Um, and then right after that, when Misery hit, it again was the UK cover with that um, typewriter. And I've never been able to find the artist for that UK Misery. Um, but once I, once, the bu- once I had the bug and I discovered that, oh, there's all these US editions as well with all these cool covers. <laughs> so <laughs> then I started to buy from specialty dealers in the US. And that's when I started to discover. And the ones that, you know, are memorable to me are the classics, you know, mm-hmm. um, The Shining, Dave Christensen's work. And, you know, Dave was really the first artist, um, aside from Carrie. Yeah. You know, then Salem's Lot, The Shining, there was Dave and Dave, mm-hmm. you know, right back to back. Um, and then Bob Giusti's cover is just a classic for me, uh, both It and Misery. Mm-hmm. Um uh, Firestar is very memorable just because I think it's a very Im- impactful kind of powerful image mm-hmm. um, and the the you know the Rob Woods as well because it sort of defined an era of King books that came out at that time because yep. you know he did five covers yeah um, so and you know the thing is the styles change over the decades right you talk about how covers differ from book to book spread a few years apart um, this just the artist styles differ and as the decades um went by so i felt the way i feel about it is they changed and you talk to you know like linda Fenimore. for me this is probably one of the most iconic most totally. um, beautiful covers of the pet cemetery cemetery mm-hmm. um 
And, you know, when I talked to her, when we interviewed her for the series, she told us the background and how she was given the commission and was given certain instructions to create the piece. And as an artist, you know, you're given a commission and some instructions and they go and go about and do their thing. Um, but I think what's really beautiful about this is that um, at the time, you know, sure, he, Stephen King was a big name back then, and the artists were so grateful to have got these pieces. Um, but I don't know that they really understood that all these decades later that we sh we're talking about this artwork that they created, you know, and it and it lives on. Um, mm -hmm. David Palladini, you know, just a, I, I just, he was such a good friend of mine, you know, and he passed away about a year and a half ago. Oh. Mm. Um, and he and I kind of found each other in the last um, three years of his life. And uh, each of us came together at a time when we both really needed that in, for, in our lives. We mm -hmm. did something for each other through this. And we came together over his Eyes of the Dragon cover, right? Mm -hmm. And he was telling me, too, how that changed his life at the time. You know, he was a starving artist and not making much money. And he this commission dropped. <laughs> and um, he was carpenter in the Hamptons and he heard about this commission and he became famous, you know, from all the illustrations he had done. Um, so it's just very far reaching, you know, King directly and then indirectly the artists that have been involved. Oh yeah. Well, for, I, um, I mean, do you, but going off what you were saying, I mean, by the time eyes of the dragon was, uh, released, he was already established. So obviously, right. you know, this is a big deal. Right. The Shining or like Salem's Lot, I mean, when you're doing that, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is like while Metallica is recording the Black Album, do they know they're about to make something that's going <laughs> to change music? Mm -hmm. Like, do these artists like have any idea like what what they're they've like no idea what they're about to like embark on? Like, like right. you said, uh, The Shining is probably his mo most iconic cover. I mean, maybe next to it, but like he had to have no idea what you know that cover would we be talking right. about what forty years later? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he did. I don't think he did. And you know, I'm in touch with these artists even to this day because we'll get these requests that come up for T-shirts and um, oh. wanting to use the art on T-shirts. And I think they're just they're so pleased that their art has lived on this long, you know. Uh, especially Dave. Dave is just the great, the greatest guy. Uh, he's, he's just a perfect artist to deal with, and will do whatever you ask him to do. Um, and yeah, it's just interesting how at the sort of the beginning of all, some of their careers, they did this thing, and so it went, and it lived on. You know.